That was such a cool night to be a part of. If you helped out, if you volunteered in any way, I'm glad that you got to experience the same thing I did because the smiles on those kids' faces was undeniable. They got brought around in limousines and then everyone cheered when they came in. There was photo booths. Um, we had uh, Great Lakes provided the, a DJ and lighting. The whole place, it looked insane at our Sandusky campus. Um, Cedar Point had a karaoke room uh, with, with Snoopy and Cinderella was there, which was pretty cool. This one little kid doing karaoke, he was so funny. He got up and, and um, in front of everyone, he just, he kind of sat back and he goes, this is for all you ladies. And I was like, <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. It was so funny. And then um, uh, it, just, it was just a great night to be together. Chick-fil-A gave food to everybody, and um, it was so cool. I hope we get to do that again. It was worth every, every second um, of the time put in. So thank you for helping with that. You know, um, in a couple of weeks, actually this next week on Saturday, we are having our Parenting 102 class. If you remember, we had Parenting 101 Last year, which was like for smaller kids, this Parenting 102 is for a little bit older kids. Um, maybe you're a parent or even a grandparent that um, has some older kids that you're caring for or whatnot, and now they're navigating some questions about relationships and faith, or they're veering off in directions. You're just not quite sure how to answer these questions or what to do. Pastor Joe and Jay are going to be leading this class on Saturday, just text the word parenting to this number to get registered for that. All this is in your welcome programs too. But um, I'm looking forward to that class, a lot of experience there, and I hope be able to help answer maybe some of the questions that you have raising some of your older kids. And then uh, last thing is just this, next Sunday night we are having a worship night uh, together where we're going to be all as one, three campuses combined as one. We are meeting at the Sandusky campus to do this because they have the largest room and they can fit more people. So hopefully you can join us next Sunday night for that. We're going to fellowship together, sing together, pray together, just spend some time together at our Sandusky campus next Sunday night. So hopefully you will make time for that. You know, I, I gave my life to following Jesus at a pretty young age. Um, my, my family went to church most weekends. In fact, I was surrounded by what I would say was a lot of religion growing up. I, it was just part of our lives. But it, it, it was really my mom that sat down with me, and she was the one that shared with me about Jesus, and, and she's the one that answered some of my questions and actually led me to putting my faith and trust in him as the leader of my life all those years ago. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, over the years of being a Jesus follower, it hasn't always been a walk through the park. It's not always easy following Jesus. There's challenges that we face, and if you're in this room and you've put your faith and Jesus, then you know exactly what I'm saying. We navigate this Christian life in, in a bit of a, a battle at times. In fact, I would even go more extreme than that. I would say we, we find ourselves facing a war at times. And this isn't a war with, with another nation. This isn't a war with another denomination or religious affiliation. This isn't a war with another country or culture. 
this isn't even a war with another person. The war that wages in the Christian life has more to do with the war that's happening right within our very own hearts. In fact, that's what Paul is talking about when he was writing Galatians chapter 5, where we're going to be today. If you want to get your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 uh, is where we're going to start, or you can use one of our Bibles in the back, or of course use your smartphones, the Dwell app that we gave you worked great for this. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul is, is looking at this war that is waging in our hearts in this chapter, and he gives us a bit of a, a game plan. He gives us some action steps for how we can fight this battle in our lives. And so I want to look at these today. So he says this right off the bat. He says the first plan of action that we should take when we're fighting this battle is just simply this. One, walk by the Spirit. In fact, look at how he begins this passage. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Now, he's addressing all Christ followers here. Everyone. This isn't a message reserved to those super Christians or those high-profile Christians or those uh, highly charismatic Christians or even church leaders. No, no, this is, a, this is a message Paul's giving to each and every Christ follower. Whether you're a mom, a dad, a teenager, adult, it doesn't matter. This message is for you. And he says, look, every believer, no matter who you are, needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, some translations of this word uh, means to walk by the Holy Spirit. The, the, the original language here indicates that we should be following around our teacher. Now, this wouldn't have been abnormal for the people in this culture because they would have found themselves oftentimes falling around their teacher so that they could listen. They didn't have smartphones and internet to keep up with them. They had to follow them around, and so they did. And the same thing is true here with us. He's saying, look, we are to follow around our teacher through every aspect of our lives. And then he says who the, Holy, who the teacher is. It's the Holy Spirit. That's, that's who we are to follow. So for us, in our culture, that means that we are to be listening to the Holy Spirit. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, sharing our lives with the Holy Spirit, looking to the Holy Spirit for help and wisdom. And in doing this, please don't misunderstand, when we do this, this doesn't mean that we somehow reach this higher or deeper level of spirituality. We're not better or worse than anyone else. No, no, no. This is for the normal Christian life. Each and every one of us who have put our faith in Jesus is to be walking by the Spirit, to be following our teacher. Now, Paul says there's some reasons we should do this. There's some reasons that are, that are critical and why we walk by the Spirit. And the first one I want to highlight is this. He says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. When you're walking by the Spirit, you won't do what your sinful nature craves. Now, the thing I love about this is when you look at the original text, it is not just a statement that Paul's making here. This is actually a promise that he makes. He promises that when we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead our lives, we won't be giving in to our sinful nature. We'll have victory over our sinful desires. But here's what that means. 
That means that there's no, there's no gray area here. There's no middle ground in this battle. When we face this battle of our, of our hearts, you're either following the Spirit's lead or you're not. You're, you're either winning the battle or you're losing. It's, it's black or white. There's no gray area in this. And I say that because I'll admit um, I'm not as bold as Paul in his teaching. And the people pleaser in me this morning is just struggling. Um, Because I'm not super comfortable, quite honestly, saying some of these things. So I I hope you hear my heart. What this means is that you cannot submit to the Holy Spirit's lead in your life and your sinful desire at the same time. They don't coexist. They can't belong together. It doesn't work that way, which means this. You can't be a person of prayer and be looking at porn at the same time. You can't be a person that loves others well and be raging with anger at the same time. You can't be able to humbly submit to your husband or wife and love them well and be abusive at the same time. These things cannot go together. They can't coexist. And I know those are extreme examples, and you might say, geez, those are are heavy examples. Yes, but the truth is, is that it can often be so much more subtle in our lives. We can be doing this and not even realize it. The point Paul's trying to make here is this, that these two things can't go together. You can't walk by the Spirit and you can't live by your sinful nature at the same time. There's no middle ground in this battle. He says when we walk by the Spirit, we have the power, we have the power to defeat our sinful nature. But then he gives us another reason walking by the Spirit's important. Listen to how he goes on in this message. He says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And then he says this, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. Constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out all your good intentions. You know, he's saying there is a war that is waging inside of us, in our hearts. It's a continuous war. There is a constant battle. Our sinful nature and the Holy Spirit are opposed to each other. It's a fight, and it's ongoing, and it's serious. And I'm trying to explain this just as extremely as I possibly can because the fact is that you and I often like to approach this battle with this attitude of, like, it's casual or, or apathetic. We don't take it seriously enough sometimes. And that's just the attitude that our enemy wants us to have. It leaves us saying things like this. This is my phrase. I go, oh, it's fine. It'll be fine. I, I, I'm, I'm always saying this. It's fine. Or, you know what? It's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. Or it's not hurting anyone, right? I mean, it'll be fine. Or, you know, we say things like, well, at least I'm not doing this, or at least I'm not doing that. I mean, we make light of it. We make it casual. We say, well, I don't think it's going to hurt. 
so we do it. That's a very apathetic, casual attitude to have. The point Paul's trying to make here is, no, this Christian life, the battle for our hearts is a serious war. If we're going to conquer our sinful desires, then we got to recognize the seriousness of this battle that's real, that's taking place. You can't be complacent. You can't believe that somehow you're going to be ineffective, and you can't believe that somehow you have the willpower and the strength within yourself to win this battle. Because I'm telling you what, if I had that, I wouldn't have such a hard time saying no to donuts and ice cream all the time. We don't have the strength and the power to fight this on our own. Because if we did, we wouldn't struggle to stare a little too long at the beautiful girl or the beautiful guy at the rack. You know, or we wouldn't struggle to, to just quietly manipulate others in our relationships so that we can get our own way. We wouldn't struggle with that if we had the power in and of ourselves to defeat our sinful nature. But we don't. And, and we have to take this seriously. And the only course of action, Paul says, to win this is to walk by the Spirit daily. Daily. And I love that Paul isn't writing this from on top of his high horse. He's not writing this and saying, look, I got this all together. You guys follow my lead. I'll show you how it's done. No, no, Paul is real with us. In fact, one of the most real passages of Scripture is written by Paul. I absolutely love it. And I bet each of us can relate to what he says here in Romans when he writes this. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, Paul says. Please tell me, Paul, what is the principle of life? That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. All right? Who, who's relating so far? I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. He says, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. How has felt this way? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, he says. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to it. You get the intense, ongoing battle that's taking place here in our hearts. It's serious and it's real, and we have to understand this and take it seriously. So, one, walking by the Spirit's going to help us to defeat our sinful nature. It helps us to realize this is a real battle going on, but there's one more thing Paul says about walking in the Spirit. He says we're going to be free from the law. Listen to this next verse. When you are directed by the Spirit, Paul says, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, Paul's a bit of a broken record here, isn't he? Because if you've been with us the past few weeks, You've heard Paul say this over and over and over again. We have been saying it from the stage over and over and over again, that we are no longer under the law. We are no longer under the old covenant mosaic law. We, that covenant has been fulfilled. Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. 
At the moment he said it is finished, that old covenant law was fulfilled. We're no longer in it. So what are we in now? Well, now we're under the life and walking by the Spirit, which is a whole new way of life. And I'm telling you what, for the people of this day and age in the first century, this would have been revolutionary. It would have rocked their world. What do you mean? All the things that we've believed and lived for up till now is changing? Yes. And it's still revolutionary for you and I today. Somehow it's managed to keep a hold on us through all these years and we still wrestle with this. But the bottom line is when we are walking by the Spirit, you know what? We're not under the law, which means this. Which means He has the power and the freedom to change our desires. Which means we have the power to please God that we didn't have before. Let me give you examples. I've heard many people say this. Oftentimes people who have recently given their life to following Jesus will say things to me like this. They'll say, um, you know, I never wanted to go to church before ever. But now all of a sudden, I, 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 I want to go. I'm, I, it's great. I don't want to miss it. Or, or they'll say things like, you know, I never thought in a million years I would ever go on a missions trip. But now all of a sudden, I don't know why I'm feeling something in me, like telling me I should go on this missions trip. Or the opposite can be true. People will say things to me like, for years, for years I have done this thing that has given me fulfillment, and now all of a sudden that thing that once fulfilled me isn't fulfilling me anymore. Something's changing in me. I hear this. In fact, there was just a couple of weeks ago I got this letter in the mail from a sweet woman. Um, um, she doesn't like to talk on the phone, so we write letters. I know it's, it's kind of um, different nowadays. but um, And so she was telling me about uh, her life with the Lord, and she shared with me that over the years, he's been changing her desires. In fact, she shared with me about some addictions that she's had for many years that actually she kept in secret. No one knew about them. And, and until one day, uh, she said... I, I was, I was getting ready to fulfill my addiction. And, and she's like, it just, I realized I don't need this anymore. It, it was one of those moments that, that it wasn't a slow change in desires. It was a fast change in desires. And she's gone months now. And she, she credited the Holy Spirit to this change in her heart. You know, the pastor Jay shared with us last week that we shouldn't live under the crushing weight of the law, but live under the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us that we have been freed from the law. And, and now, we, now we can have different desires are changing in us. It's, in, it's incredible. So Paul says the first step of action in this battle is to walk by the Spirit. But then he gives us the second step of action. This one's a little more simple. It just says this. You observe the obvious. Paul says, look, look, there's some practical examples I can give you. He says where you're going to know whether you're winning or losing this battle. Right? So he, he, he mentioned these things, and he mentions that they will be obvious in our lives. You will know if you are walking by the Spirit or your sinful nature based on these things. And so he gives us a couple of lists. Let me start with the not-so-fun list, and I'll tell you this can get a little uncomfortable, but let me, let me share it with you. He says, when you're following your sinful nature, 
and the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So it's going to be obvious in your life, he's saying. He says these things will be represented. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, and then he goes on to say jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is not an extensive list. This isn't the, the list that is just from start to finish. In fact, he says, and other sins like these... Right, So when he says other sins like these, what he's saying is, look, this is just a summary of some of the things you need to pay attention to to let you know if you're on the right track or not. He's saying here, these are like warning lights on the dashboard of your car. When you're driving and the warning light pops on or the check engine light pops on, unless you're my 16-year-old daughter, she doesn't care about that. But otherwise, it should cause you to stop and go, whoa, 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 there's a problem. I need to get this checked out. What's happening here? Something's wrong. These are warning lights. And he says these words at the beginning. When you follow these things, when you follow, that means when you habitually practice these things. Now, none of us are perfect, right? We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, we, he isn't referring to moments when we stumble, he isn't referring to moments when we've stumbled, but then, we, but then we, we, we repent and we turn back to God. He's not referring to those moments. He's saying, look, when you follow these things, when you delight in these things, when you pursue these things as part of your life, when, when you make these things a pattern in your life that you just continue or are living for and you seek pleasure in, when you do that, he's saying, you have a problem. Warning lights going off like crazy. Stop and get it checked. There's a problem. But this isn't the list I want to focus on today because quite honestly, we could spend four weeks dissecting these and what they mean in our culture and what the definitions of them are and how they impact us and blah, blah, blah. But I don't want to flirt with this list right now. I really want to take a look at the second list that he gives us because when we're winning the battle, when we are walking by the Spirit in our lives, when our sinful desires are getting squashed, he says there's another list that's going to be present. And this is, listen to what this list is. He calls them the fruit of the Spirit. Says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Here it is. Love. Another word for agape. This means that we love another with no strings attached. You know, oftentimes this kind of love means we gain nothing from it. It's often undeserved, but we love anyway. It's unconditional. Uh, joy. Joy says this is delight and who God, or for who God is. This, is, this means that we can find joy even when things around us, our circumstances aren't going well. There's still joy to be had. Peace, he says, this is confident and rest in God's control, not our own. That means when our world is falling apart and we feel like we've lost control, we can still have peace because he is in control. Uh, we see patience. This is the ability to face trouble without blowing up or striking out. Um, um, we're not losing it on someone. Uh, kindness, serving others in a way 
that makes us vulnerable. This is rejoicing in someone else's joy. We see goodness. This is another word for integrity. Integrity is being the same person in every situation, not being phony, not being hypocritical, not being fake. We are uh, people of integrity. That's goodness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is another word for loyalty. It means being true to your word. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. A friend in good times and a friend in bad. We see on this list the word gentleness. That's just another word for humility, living lives of humility. The last thing on the list, he says, is self-control. This is the ability to pursue important things over urgent things. Self-control. And then I can almost hear Paul chuckle and laugh, a little tongue-in-cheek, as he closes up this passage of Scripture, and he says, look, there's no law against these things. No law. This is the list I want to focus on for a moment. Because this is the list that I believe all of us in this room, even if you are still exploring this whole Jesus thing, this is probably the list still that sounds better to you. We want to live our lives with this list in mind, reflecting. So uh, there's a couple of things I want to highlight with the, this list where he highlights the fruit of the Spirit. The first one's pretty obvious. It's this, that healthy fruit comes from deep roots. We know this, right? We know that if we want good fruit, it's going to come from a plant with deep, healthy roots. But this is where things get difficult. Because if you're anything like me, you want to enjoy the fruit without doing the work. I would love to plant a seed in the spring, come back in July and pick the fruit out of my garden, but it doesn't work that way. It takes work to get good fruit. And the same is true in our spiritual life. You can't just grow love and joy and peace and patience. You can't grow those things in your life just because you wish they were there or you want to try harder or you know you really need to work on that some more or you got the willpower to be better. That is not how this fruit's going to grow. These things come when we root ourselves deep into Christ. We don't have the power to grow them on our own. The power of this fruit is always through Christ, not ourselves. And so that means the more we embrace his love and the more we embrace the gospel in our lives, the more this fruit is naturally going to grow. Which means this. If you've ever thought to yourself, and I have, I've said this before, if you've ever thought to yourself, you know what, I'm looking at this list and I'm breaking it down and going, hey, I'm pretty good with these things and I'm not so good with these things. I've got to work on these couple, but I'm doing well here. If you've ever thought, you know, I, I really need to work on the patience and the joy. So this week, I'm really going to focus on working on joy. Next week, then, I'll focus on patience. If you've ever thought that, that's a poor strategy. And let me tell you why that won't work. It's because you don't have the power to do these things in and of yourself. The only way you can grow fruit in your life is when you are rooted into Jesus. All things come through Christ. That means instead of saying, hey, I need to work on this thing myself, we say, no, 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 it's in Christ that I am righteous. It's in Christ that I'm chosen. In Christ, I am precious. In Christ, I am loved and forgiven. In Christ, I am an overcomer. It's always in 
Christ, not of ourselves. And as our roots grow deeper into him and these truths, the fruit will come. So we got to root ourselves into Christ if we want healthy fruit. The second thing I want to highlight for you that I noticed was this, that you're only as mature as your most immature fruit. Let me explain what I mean by this. If you are an English major or a school teacher or someone that's smarter than I am in this room, you probably noticed Paul's subject-verb disagreement in this passage. It's like he makes a mistake because he says this. He says, fruit is, which is singular, if I remember my elementary grammar. This is singular, but then he gives a plural list of fruit. Seems like a mistake. Like, why doesn't he say the fruits of the Spirit are? That would be more grammatically correct, right? Did he make a mistake? I don't, I don't think he messed up here. I think he does this on purpose. He said, he said these are not individual fruits to work on. This is one collective list, a collective evidence of the Holy Spirit at work within you, which means you can only be as mature as your most immature fruit. Where Jesus is in your life, all fruit grows as one, not different. So when there is an area in your life where you struggle or an area where maybe you feel fruitless, then this is an area where maybe you've yet to believe or, or you've yet to apply the gospel in your life. You know, we, we talk about sending missionaries out to unreached people groups around the world to preach the gospel. Honestly, sometimes we got little unreached people groups right within our very own hearts. I almost got to send out little missionaries to, to share the gospel with yourself daily. Remember, you always go back to where it all started. Where did it start? It started from where Jesus said it is finished. We always go back to that moment and keep teaching yourself the gospel over and over and over. When you do, the fruit will grow. Okay, so let me, let me end with one final action step Paul gives. And this is an action step I hope will be more encouraging to you as you leave. Because the first one was that we should walk by the Spirit, we should observe the obvious, but then Paul says this, remember, don't forget the good news. Listen to how he concludes his letter here, this chapter. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. You should underline or circle that, to his cross, and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's lead in every part of lives. He's saying, look, remember, remember, we're not living this Christian life of apathy or defeat. We're not muddling through, just trying to keep our heads above the water so that every time we pop up to take a breath, the Lord smacks us across the face and reminds us of when we've screwed up. That is not the kind of Christian life we are living. Paul is ending this with some incredible news. It's news of hope. It's news that you have power, a power in your new identity of walking in the Spirit because we belong to Jesus Christ. He says, look, our sins have been nailed to his cross. To his cross. They, they, we're not under the law anymore. We are freed 
through what Jesus Christ did for us that we could never do for ourselves. We're united with Christ because we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Does that mean we're still going to face temptation? Yes. Does that mean we're still going to stumble? Yes, of course. But does that mean that we have no power? No, no, no. You have power now. Power to defeat sin you never had before because Christ has won the ultimate battle once and for all. And through him, through him, we have the power to fight. And it's in him that we have freedom like we've never had before. And so my final encouragement to you is this. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've done that today in this place, then you've been given a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of us who have placed our faith have this gift. And, and, and you have placed your faith in him to lead your life. And you've, you are to walk in the Spirit under the leadership of the Spirit. And then Paul says, not only walk under his leadership, but pay attention to the fruit in your life. Pay attention to those Warning signs. Observe the obvious. But then he says this. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Then make sure you celebrate. Celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done. And don't forget it. It is a privilege to be led by the Holy Spirit. The question I have for you today is, will you follow him? Will you follow him? Because when you do, it will make all the difference world. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for this gift, this amazing gift. Lord, uh, the battle is real, and we all feel it daily, Lord. So thank you for this gift of the Holy Spirit that we can lean into. Lord, I thank you for the good news, too. Uh, We are not under the law, but Lord, you have freed us. Thank you for that as well. Lord, as we walk each day in this battle, would you just continue to help strengthen us, please? Help give us wisdom. Help give us guidance. Lord, we will look to you in all of these things. We trust you and we love you, Lord. Thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, I hope you have a great day. We will see you next weekend.